Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. My name is Tyler. I'm the pastor and church planter of New City. Welcome. Hi. Yay. Uh, I'm so glad that you all are here. And I'm so, I love the days when we have to pull up more chairs. Because is that not just how God works? Is like... Like, God's always pulling up more chairs for us, right? Always trying to find us a, a seat for community. So I'm really grateful for that. And, um, and I'm grateful that you are here, especially if you are here for the first time. Um, I wish that I knew how to love you. Okay. So, um, so I, I am a United Methodist pastor. And um, the United Methodists were in the news a little bit. I don't know if you all saw that. So I wanted to... Um, just quick, do a little denominational update. Uh, if you are someone who's like, I don't care about denominations, or I can, is it, is this easier? If, I, if it's like, I don't care about denominations, I don't know what denomination I am, I don't know the difference between a Methodist and a Pop-Tart. Like, that's, uh, just, just, um, just reflect on your thing, and also know that there is like, large sums of money involved in this, and that's kind of interesting no matter what. So, um, so uh, just a, a little bit of an update. So um, there was a proposal that was released from um, um, some folks who were representative of three sides of the conversation, the conservative, the centrist, and the progressive side of LGBTQ uh, lives. And we, uh, we've been talking about this as a denomination for 40 years, and, um, and just this past February, we passed a traditional plan, so-called traditional plan, not that there's anything traditional about hate within Christianity, and, um, and as far as Jesus is concerned. So, um, so a lot of the, these conversations came in response to the uproar that came from the denomination that was like, we're not going to accept the traditional plan anymore. Um, so... A lot of these conversations came from a lot, a lot, a lot of activism. And we brought in a, a person who wasn't Methodist to um, broker the conversation. And it was like the same guy who made the thing that Jon Stewart advocated for. For It was like the same guy who made the post 9-11 compensation for the people who helped with the thing. Like that guy was like in a Methodist room doing this, and they came up with um, some really interesting things. So first of all, um, uh, I would say that United Methodist Church is splitting is, is premature. Uh, the, all the news headlines are like, United Methodist Church splitting officially, it's done. And it is not done. It, uh, I think that there is, um, I don't know if there's anyone who's really holding out that there won't be some type of split or division within the United Methodist Church. But we can only decide on this policy in May when we have general conference, which is the international gathering of people around the world to vote on policy. So this was a proposal that will be voted on. And this particular proposal has weight because a lot of important influential, how, however you want to define that, a lot of influential people were in the room to make it. And one of the conditions of the proposal was that if you support this proposal, you won't support any other proposals. So there's, as far as like getting the votes, it seems likely that this is going to be a very powerful proposal. 
And uh, I don't know if you remember like a year ago, but when we were at General Conference, we were like, we're definitely going to pass something called the One Church Plan, which means that like some people will be able to, some churches will be able to ordain gay people and some people won't. And then the traditional plan just came out of nowhere and swept everything away. So I just want to be like, there's a precedence for this not going how we, the official people think that it'll go. So uh, be aware that that, uh, a little premature to say that. Some of the highlights of this are that uh, the affirming Methodists, as in like LGBTQ supportive Methodists, retain the denomination. 25 million would go to non-affirming, so like the conservative split off group. But those conservatives also forfeit all general agencies, schools, and seminaries. So it's kind of like, here's 25 million, period, end of conversation. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, the default is staying in the UMC with the Affirming United Methodists unless an individual congregation or annual conference votes to leave. Um, and uh, I think really significantly, this proposal dedicates $40 million for black, indigenous, Latinx, and Asian American Pacific Islander ministries, as well as a United Methodist University called Africa University in Zimbabwe. $40 million. Uh, th which this last point really can't be undersold because the, I mean, all of this proposal is anticipating a break off and a smaller system. And so dedicating that much money up front, I think, is it's worth noting, right? Um, the uh, other thing that, oh, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that. $25 million is a lot of money. And a lot of the criticism that's come against this proposal so far has been like, why are we giving $25 million to people who actively oppress us? The thing is, is that um, the United Methodist Church has like billions of dollars of assets in the agencies, schools, seminaries, and investments and pensions. So having a guarantee that the conservative split-off group won't go after those is really can't be, uh, I, I, that's a really significant point to me. Also, um, some of you come from Presbyterian and um, Lutheran backgrounds. When the Presbyterian church and the Lutheran church decided to be affirming, and then there was a split off of conservatives, there was a slew of lawsuits from the conservatives to try to get their properties and to try to get all the things, right? And this proposal is trying to say, like, we're giving you this upfront. No lawsuits. Like, this is a done yeah, deal. So, um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so I, I'll be honest, like, I don't feel like I have really mulled over this enough to have a strong opinion about this. There, it's certainly not 100% loss, like the traditional plan, frankly, was 100% <laughs> loss. Um, but I think that there's like some things that I just need to read through and some of my colleagues need to think through to really, I poured over the legislation and all that, but um, like we're talking about one of the largest Christian organizations in the world figuring out how to split. So there's like a lot of ramifications that I don't feel ready to co add commentary on yet. But I do want you to know as a community that this is kind of where we're at. And I would, of course, as always, welcome hearing your input on what you think the future of the denomination should be. Um, I, I do want to mention something that didn't make the highlights is there is $2 million set aside for people who are 
wanting, who aren't going to join the conservative split off, but who want to join, who want to split off anyways. So there's a lot of like folks who are progressive and who are like done with the whole institution. And so that two million dollars would be folks, would be for those folks to start a new thing. Um, so I think that one of the questions is like, what is less racist to be in an institution that is making a, pro, a a significant commitment towards something that resembles reparation that can shape the future of the denomination or a new uh, thing that is breaking off that doesn't necessarily have like an elected leader or body of decision making yet which is committed to being anti-racist but we don't know who is doing the right we don't know who's making the decisions who's writing the policies yet because that's not there ha there hasn't been a legal infrastructure to create that yet so like i would like i would be very interested in hearing your thoughts on this um not right now but just like if you want to reach out because <laughs> um, we got worship to do like you know like i don't know how many of you are like 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 <laughs> ecstatic in the holy spirit as we talk about this but like I, the way that I feel about it is like every Sunday, every week, we get one chunk of time on Sunday to put all the other stuff in, uh, brush all the other stuff aside and really focus on how much God loves us and how much we love God and how much community is amazing. And I bring this up because it has ramifications for us, but like this is not a board meeting, this is a worship service. So <laughs> let's get into it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, I'm really glad that uh, you all are here, and I know that not everyone is familiar with the Bible. Uh, we just had a reading from the Bible, and I know that not everyone's an expert. So here's kind of a layout of the Bible. We just had a reading from John, which is a gospel. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's the most this kind of gospel, so interpret that how you will. And, um, and, uh, and we see in this text one of the most significant treaties on what the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit is about. Um, this is all part of our sermon series, Hot Take, which is the spicy sriracha sauce of sermon series that where we're trying to really look at um, what Jesus was about and what Jesus was teaching and really, really uh, apply the radicalness of that to our lives. So um, the reading that we just had today has a little bit of a uh, um, context to it. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever read the beginning of the Bible, but it talks about, you know, in the beginning, there was this, like, swirling chaos, and the, everything was just kind of a mess. And then God spoke creation into existence. God ordered the universe. And the, the thing that was the breath of God, the ruach, can you all say ruach? Yeah, that's uh, welcome to biblical Hebrew. So, um, like the ruach of God was moving across the waters, and it says that the um, um, like the it's not it says the spirit of God, but it's hard to translate ruach. Ruach is kind of like like if you were to take a, a sharp breath in all of a sudden, and like you feel that kind of like little pop of energy from the breath. Like, that's what ruach is. It's, it's like wind. It's like energy. It's force. And that energy uh, organized 
uh, moved across chaos and organized creation into this, into the light and the trees and the stars and all of these, the creatures, human beings, the soil, all of it found its home in God. And, uh, and then there was this thing called the Garden of Eden where people were living and it took like 30 seconds for us to mess it up. <laughs> and, um, and then we started putting a wedge into the order of creation. The, we started like kind of creating our own uh, problems. And this was all done because God gives us the opportunity to choose. God gives us free will. And sometimes we choose things that are really destructive. And uh, one of the greatest examples of that throughout all of humanity is war. Uh, war is, is uh, symbol, symbolic of the corruption of so many systems and human hearts and minds and and uh, communities and systems of structuring that all of a sudden we can't think of any other option but to destroy the very thing that God created. And that's, um, that's what makes it a, a wedge into existence. And in fact, I'm a United Methodist pastor, and we have this thing that says we believe war is incompatible with the teachings of the example of Christ. Incompatible, meaning that if the war is the thing that is happening, then we messed up somewhere along the way and we have to like scrap it and just start again because war is not an option for the people of God for, for, the, um, for creating the world that God wants to create. Um, and, and so, you know, here we have uh, in current events oh, a president who, um, who decided to uh, assassinate a, a very high-ranking leader in Iran. And um, the concern about that is that he, he made that decision without uh, consulting Congress, and it might lead to war, and it might be seen as an act of war, but he did it um, unilaterally without, without Congress's support. And, you know, New City Church is a, is a 501c3. We don't endorse a particular candidate. We don't endorse a particular party. And uh, if, if something is on the brink of war, and war is incompatible with the teachings of Christ, then we can uh, speak about that quite, um, uh, quite loudly, because like, Christians uh, are allowed to speak on topics and subjects and issues uh, and that matter to us. And that's, um, so I think that war is a, is a great example of kind of like the anti-ruach, like the thing that is like the opposite of God's creative energy uh, across the universe, the thing that's like separating us back into chaos and disorder and separation and isolation rather than moving us into the ecosystem that God has called us to. And I think it's, I mean, this uh, particular current event is really significant because we're having all of these conflicts with a country in the Middle East that happens to have something that we want, and that's called oil. And the oil industry, which is rooted, like a lot of the oil industry is in this area where all of a sudden there's a heightened military action and response because there's a, a, there's a resource that we want. And so what I think is like kind of the double evil of this is that if we had, if we had transition to a clean energy economy, then we wouldn't have taken such military interest in Iraq and Iran, right? Like these are related to each other. The destruction of the earth and the destruction of people is always intertwined. The Bible has said this pretty much from the get-go, and we're seeing an example of that again here. So, um, so by the way, if you're feeling trapped and helpless against uh, 
what the um, the leader of Iran was saying that he will take significant action in response against the U.S. Like that's really intense. Uh, st start using less oil, right? Like just like find a way to make a lifestyle that doesn't rely on an oil economy, and then recruit five friends and have your friends recruit five friends, and like. That's the only, I think that really, that, that's like one of the missing pieces of peace in the Middle East that we just won't ever get around until we figure it out. So, um, so, so I use this as an illustration of kind of the ways that we put wedges into the, the sacred order and the sacred belovedness of, of creation. And, and as I look at this, I'm like, Jesus Christ, going into 2020 is scary. Like, there's like so many things to worry about right now. Have you seen any social media feed lately? It's like cat picture, <laughs> three things that could end the lives of us or our children, hedgehog. Like it's just like, just like, oh my gosh, so many scary things. Jesus Christ is going into 2020 is scary. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> I uh, get it. Yeah, sure is. Like, the, uh, the, the empire is scary. Isn't the empire so scary? Uh, you know, we're starting a gospel living class uh, today uh, for undoing white body supremacy and POC healing. Yay. Um, and, um, and one of the things that we talk about is the concept between empire and God's kingdom. And, like, the point of the empire is that it is scary. Like, if it wasn't scary, it wouldn't be the empire, right? Because, like, it's using, it's leveraging fear to create a, a world uh, that the empire wants to control, which is the definition of terrorism. And, um, and then there's God pro providing a kingdom, uh, an opportunity to live into an alternative reality that we can choose to live into, not only as a society, but also individually within our hearts. Um, and in fact, it'll never happen unless we choose that individually in our hearts. And Jesus says, uh, there's lots of teachings about fear and lots of teachings about um, uh, how there's going to be hardship ahead and how it's going to struggle. And, uh, and he himself bore the great judgment of the empire in his crucifixion and uh, in his execution and arrest from the empire. And Jesus said, like, yeah, this is one of the things that could happen if, if, if we allow the empire to continue to rule, if we continue to allow the, the, the spinning mechanisms of supremacy and, and the destruction of the planet and evil and violence, like this is how, this is the inevitable result of what's gonna happen. And Jesus taught about this right when he was, I mean, the reading that we had was John 14, and John is not very long, so like imagine this speech is happening probably like 85% the way through John. Jesus is like saying, yeah, the world is scary and things are going to be scary. And also, by the way, I'm going to be gone. Good luck, right? Like there's kind of this like, oh shoot, like there's um, so much to worry about. And here is this God, this person who is like God on earth who could do amazing things. And then this person who does amazing things is like, and I'm going to go. And you have to decide what you're going to do but you're not alone in this. There's gonna be a helper, a companion. A, uh, the word is paraclete or parakletos. Um, and parakletos is a very difficult word to translate in English. It can mean advocate 
or counselor, comforter, helper, companion. Jesus is saying, like, once I am, once my body is no longer here, I will send a spirit. And that spirit is going to accompany you just like I accompanied you in body, but it's going to be something that you can't see. It's going to be something that you feel kind of in your gut. It's going to be something that connects you to people even when you don't really want to be in community and you just want to lie in, at bed in home and watch Netflix on a Sunday morning. It's going to be the thing that brings you here. And it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be something that is um, so subtle that you'll miss it as easily as you ignore the wind if you're focusing on something else. Like, it, it'll be something that you have to pay attention to, otherwise you'll miss it. And if you miss it, then the empire wins. Like, this is going to be your help. And so, so the Paracletos moved across creation. And this is how we understand the Holy Spirit, is the, is the Spirit of Jesus who is empowering us to live into that resurrection uh, kingdom of God, anti-empire kind of energy. And what's interesting to me is that a lot of people at New City have reservations around saying that they are followers of Jesus, but have had unforgettable experiences of spirit or connection or depth that left a whole bunch of question marks that they're just like, I don't know what to do with this, but I can't unfeel the thing that I felt. And, and there's lots of ways to explain it away. I'm sure we could look at brain scans and endorphins, and, or I'm sure that we could look at language from other spiritualities or other religions. Uh, in, in Christianity, we say that is the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changes you and changes us to be more whole. And we, uh, and we rely on it. Um, the Holy Spirit goes ahead. This is actually a pretty, one of the main reasons why I love Methodism and why I love the, uh, Wesleyan theology. Because some of you, I know some of you have like a, some negative experiences from uh, churches that put a lot, a lot of emphasis on conversion. Like say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior with this like prescribed set of words and then you'll get into heaven and then you're not going to suffer forever, 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 and don't be gay. And so, and it was like, and what was that last thing? Oh, I don't know. We're, we're just like, don't masturbate. What? And so, um, like, so I know a lot of you came from that setting, and um, and 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 I think that like, there's a lot of trauma in that because it's like, how can I prescribe? to a certain set of, it feels like there's not really a choice if it's like you're gonna suffer forever or prescribe to a very precise set of words that's in English and, we're, and that's gonna be it, right? And, um, and so I think that a lot of people at New City have a struggle with or are having a, um, a discernment period about how they want to relate to Jesus and whether they wanna identify as a follower of Jesus. And what I think is interesting is that a lot of people at New City, those very same people, are people of the Spirit, are people who totally have a very sophisticated understanding of how to access holiness and connection and um, something that is beyond you and yet dwells within you. I thought that the, that's kind of like the this part of the Gospel of John. is It's like, the Father is in me, and I am in you, and you were in the Father, and you were in the... Da, da, da. And it's like, whoa, okay, 
okay, whoa. But I think that what Jesus is trying to get at is like, there is a spirit or there is a force, there is a being that is greater than you individually and even greater than collectively and that being isn't neutral it's not like gravity that just happens that being has a will or a choice and that choice is always towards love and that love spirit is moving through us and compelling us towards love even when it's against the scariest obstacles and in fact (laughs) there's never been a case in the bible when it hasn't been against really scary obstacles Um, i wrote a reflection that I wanted to share um, about the spirit going ahead because I think it's such an important concept. Because in Methodism, we believe that, oh, yeah, the, I got carried away with imitating the worship leader and I forgot to talk about Methodism. So Methodism, <laughs> um, shade fairy. So the Methodism, like the belief is that God um, shows provenient grace. And provenient grace is like, I mean, some of you have heard me say this, but Spanish speaker is like, what does veneer mean? Venir, vengo, to come, right? So prevenient is from that same root, pre-veneer, to pre-come, to move in, to arrive early, to go ahead, to pre-veneer. And um, and, um, and and it's like, we believe, So like when there's all this talk about like you have to prepare a way for the Lord, you have to make the path straight, you have to prepare your hearts and minds. We just finished this whole season of Advent that that was like you have to prepare, you have to prepare, get ready, get ready. All of that is this prevenient grace trying to create a path for God's will to happen in the world. Like this is, so the difference that I wanted to make is like, To me, the starting point is not you signing a a life contract that says that you're not going to be gay. The the starting point is not committing with with your own agency into the life of God. The starting point is that God reaches out to us first already and has been doing so since before we were born. God's agency was first and God chose us before we choose God. And that's really important because I believe that if we go into this place where we believe that um, the Christian journey begins when human beings decide about God, that creates an idolatry of humanity. That, That means that our choice is stronger than God. And if we don't choose God, according to this very script definition, then we're going to hell. And that gives us a power that is beyond what a human being should be able to choose around. Like, like God's choice is God's choice because God is God, <laughs> right? Like God is the, is, is the creator of the universe and designed us and designed community. And God has chosen us before we choose God. Are we, are we feeling this? I know that like, this is a little bit like, whoa, what are, what are, but the reason why this is important is like, if you think about parents and a child, if a child believes growing up that she has to, choo- she has to earn her parents' love or choose her parents' love before her parents start to love her, that will dramatically change the course of her life than if she believes that her parents loved her before she made an active choice to or not. And as children of God, that's 
what our choice is. Like, do we believe that we have to earn belovedness or do we believe that belovedness has gone ahead of us? Everything that, every choice that we make is going to spring from that foundational belief. So that's why this is a big important deal for me. So I wrote a reflection on, um, on fear and, and God going ahead. So here's the thing. It has always been scary to oppose the empire. That's why it's the empire. Show me a time in the Bible when the people of God didn't need to act with outrageous courage to do what God was calling them to do. Show me a time when the people of God didn't have to wrestle with perilous odds to let love win. The people of God act courageously because the God we worship is courageous. For every jump that we're afraid to take, God has already gone ahead. For everything that we're afraid to let go of, God has already prepared so much more. We live as people of faith because there comes a time when if not for the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be able to go on. The wind is already blowing at our back toward justice and our feet are tripping just trying to move toward the one who is already going to broker the deal of peace, already going to broker the peace treaty that we can't see, who is already going to heal the earth that we betrayed, who is already establishing the democracies that people around the world are rioting for, who has already started to douse the hungry flames engulfing our rainforest, who has already sought to comfort the women who face the impossible choice of speaking up and facing death or staying quiet and withering in the shadow, who already joined together the little hands of children at the border with their parents that already ran a thousand miles for them, who already reaches out to your hand to say, you did what you had to do to get to here, but you have to do something new to get to there. And the difference of the decision is your life hanging in the balance. God sent a spirit ahead of us, not to abandon us, but to show that the thing that looks like a golden thread on the horizon that you can barely make out will one day rise to shine the sunlight that our souls long to bathe in. But that new day can only rise when we give ourselves to the God of rising. Jesus died so that we can know that God has already reached down to the very root of our fear, the fear of death, and ripped out its foundations so thoroughly that the meaning of life has changed. Because now we have a wonderful counselor, a mighty spirit who says, I have put together the very structure of the universe and I can heal your addiction to violence. Will you let me? Amen.